We ready now? Yes. Good morning. I have a couple announcements. Uh, also, I believe Ralph was going to offer an announcement, and so was Adam, if y'all want to make your way up here. Annual Lake Day is set for Sunday, June the 29th, immediately following our 10 o'clock um, combined service in the Family Life Center. We will be at the large shelter at Lake Robinson. More details will follow in a bulletin. Vacation Bible School. Registration is now open. Uh, hard copies are available at uh, the church office, Katie's office, or you can go online to 2014.cokesburyvbs.com slash Memorial United Methodist Church. We can give you that. Yeah, I think that will be in next week's bulletin, I hope. Also, the Holy Land trip meeting that was scheduled for today has been canceled due to the Memorial Day holiday, and we will reschedule at a later time. In the meantime, if you want to know more, you can still contact the office. Yeah. Who's up here? Adam. Adam has an announcement, and then Ralph, and then I'll have something else. Is this working? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So for over 20 years, Daily Bread Ministries has been helping the homeless and those in need by providing one hot meal a day. This mission was shared by, was started by Merle State, who many of you knew and loved this community and was a member of this church. With the blessings of the Greer community, we are endeavoring to fulfill, further fulfill his dream by building a homeless shelter for Greer. This shelter would involve a program that would seek to bring homeless families out of homelessness and into the workforce. Doing this won't be easy, but it is not impossible with your gifts and your prayer. For this program to be successful, we also need volunteers, counselors, and friends who can help lift the homeless out of homelessness. If you feel called to help the homeless, I invite you to attend a public meeting on June 2nd at 6 p.m. at the Greer Soup Kitchen, where we'll provide a program outline and hold a question and answer session. And you can learn more about this uh, really important project in our community at our website at greersoupkitchen.com. Thanks. Morning, sorry I was running a little late. First, let me preface my remarks by saying that there's a reason that I don't sing in the choir. And there's also a reason that people don't sit in the pew in front of me. Um, <laughs> unless, of course, it's a visitor, and then if they come back, if they dare to come back, they don't sit there anymore anyway. Um, about a uh, year and a half ago, I mentioned to Harriet, who was singing in the choir at the time, um, that there was a ballad that I thought was appropriate for the choir to sing on Memorial Day. And um, <clears throat> that was all I heard about it, didn't know anything else, and then lo and behold, last Memorial Day, the choir sang that ballad. And I see where they're going to sing it again today. Um, it's a beautiful and it's a haunting ballad. Um, and I hope you'll listen to the words closely when they sing it. <clears throat> I thank Jessica and Ann and the choir for doing that. And um, they, as always, they honor God with their beautiful music each week. Now, <clears throat> tomorrow is Memorial Day. And it's a day that we traditionally 
think of as the beginning of summer. Uh, when school is out and vacations begin and local pools open. And you may even attend to, uh, plan to attend a festival or a family barbecue or even uh, just take advantage of having the day off. <clears throat> but Memorial Day is uh, about much more than that. It is about those people who died at Lexington, at Cowpens that is just a few miles away from here. It's about Shiloh and Antietam and Chancellorsville and Gettysburg. And it didn't matter whether you were a Confederate or a Union soldier, you were an American. Um, it's also about the brutality of warfare. During World War I, at places called Verdun and the uh, Argonne Forest. It's about Pearl Harbor and Iwo Jima and Okinawa. It's about Normandy. It's about the Battle of the Bulge. It's about the Chosun Reservoir in Korea where soldiers actually froze to death on the battlefield. It's about the jungles of Vietnam, the Idrang Valley, the Tet Offensive. And more recently, it's about places called Fallujah and Anbar Province in Iraq and Afghanistan. It is about the thousands of unnamed places where Americans have died serving their country. Some buried in marked graves all around the world and others buried in places known only to God. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, a day set aside to honor the memory of our fallen brothers and sisters. And I hope that in some small way you'll remember to do just that. And in that spirit, I'd like for us to take a moment of silence to pray for those who have lost their lives in defense of our country throughout the years. Let us be silent and pray. Lord, may the memory of all those who have served our country valiantly throughout the years, may their memories uh, of their love, their life, and their love for their country uh, be forever in our minds, and may we be forever grateful for their service. We pray in your name. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Eternal God, you raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, and by your Holy Spirit brought to life your church. Breathe upon us again with your spirit and give new life to your people. Through Jesus, name Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.
Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God and the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Come forth at this time. Good morning. You know, I'm a teacher. And I'm excited. Are you excited? What's coming soon? Summer. You're not the only ones teachers get excited to. It's a fun time, isn't it? And God has a Bible verse that has something to do with seasons, okay? And I'm going to read it to you. And it's from a big, long name in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. Can you say that? Ecclesiastes. That's a hard one to remember, isn't it? But this is ver, um, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, There is a season for everything, a time for every activity under the heaven. So we have the season of summer coming soon, and it is a time when a lot of us go on vacation. Do you go on vacation in the summer? I have a friend that this weekend, she's at the beach, and she's, I saw some pictures of her children down on the beach. I saw that in the, in the bulletin. You guys are going to Omaha. I've been there one time. It's a neat place. Lots of corn. When you come back, I want you to tell me if you saw lots of cornfields, because that's what we saw. But um, in the summer, a lot of times we're not in church a lot, and we're on vacation. And it's a time that sometimes we kind of get lax on thinking about God and uh, remembering all the wonderful things he, he's done for us. So today, to help you with that over the summer, I've got a little activity for you to do. And in my classroom, my kids love to do this. And it's a little, we call it a flip book, but it is a, an acrostic. And what that means is I wrote the word summer down the page. And I wanted to try to help myself to remember to keep God in my summer, even though it's a time where we're playing a lot and going on vacation and being with our friends. 
I wanted my brain to think, you know, it's a time of relaxing and sleeping late, but I want to remember to keep God in summer. So what I did was I wrote the word summer down in one letters on each flap. And then I thought about what I could do that begins with S. That begin you could swim, that's excellent. And that is a fun activity in the summer, isn't it? But I wanted to do it and relate it to remembering God in the summer, okay? But that's a great, I go swim in the summer. It's not a bad answer. You could maybe invite somebody to swim and that would be sharing and uh, being kind to others. But like for S, I put share food with the hungry. They say a lot of times in the summertime that the food banks go down. People forget to take food to the food banks, like here in Greer. So I'm, I'm going to try to remember that since I'm not in school, that would be a good time that I could take more food down there. For you, use kind and encouraging words. Like when you're with your brothers and sisters all day long, sometimes it's a time when you get into more arguments, right? So I want to try to... One thing we could do is use encouraging and kind words. And for M, mistakes are forgiven. When people make me mad or do something I don't want them to do and make a mistake, I have to remember, like Jesus said, to forgive and forgive and forgive. The next M I wrote, make time for daily prayer and Bible study. Sometimes in the summer when I'm sleeping late and I'm on a different schedule, sometimes my Bible reading or my prayers kind of get lost in the wayside and I forget to do them. So that's my reminder. E stands for, for enjoy fresh fruits and vegetables and flowers. I also want to be thankful in the summer and see all the beautiful and wonderful things God gave us. Like, oh, I love flowers and I love to go to... Um, the fruit stand and buy fresh fruits and vegetables so I should enjoy those and know that they are given to us from God. And R, remember to give thanks for all my blessings. And I guess that also has to go with prayer. But remember to be thankful when you go outside on those beautiful days or you go swimming and are, have the ability to jump into a swimming pool. Remember to say, thank you, Lord, that I have this ability to be able to jump in this swimming pool. Okay? So that's a, I have one for each of you because I want you to try to remember some things during the summer and let's not put, even though it's not a time when we're in church as much sometimes or not doing a lot of church activities, that we remember to keep God in summertime also because he said, remember, there's a season for everything and we want summer to be a season for remembering God. So let's, let's say a prayer first and then I'll give them these. Say, dear God, Please help us to remember you this summer. Amen.
The first scripture reading is from John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. And if you want to follow along in your pew Bible, it's on page 1676. Uh, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us bow our heads for prayer. 
Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh God, you are the God who rescues us. And we are your children and we come before you this day singing our praises, offering our petitions and confessing our sins. We do confess that we are often given over to fear. We confess that we've often found following you too difficult. We know that we have failed you, and yet you have never failed us. You promise not to leave us, so don't leave us now. Forgive us our sin. And just as Jesus promised the Holy Spirit when he ascended to heaven, give us a fresh wind of that spirit to help us and guide us and comfort us, encourage and strengthen us as we go about being disciples of Christ. On this day in which we fulfill the covenant of worship, we pray, O oh Lord, that you'd be present to us but also be present to those who are sick and comfort those who are lonely, help those who are mourning, whether they are in troubles with their mind, body, or spirit. We pray, O oh Lord, that you give them what they need and help us to accept it. O oh Lord, we lift up all these matters to you and those matters that we speak now in the silence of our hearts. We pray, O oh Lord, that you hear us. And knowing and having faith that you do hear us, we pray that you grant these requests with your good and perfect will and you'd help us, O oh God, to accept this and all things from your hands. So we pray now, O oh Lord, as you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
may be seated. Our library day person today got sick right before the service, and so we're not having a library day. But if you have books to turn in, if you will turn them in at the back, okay, on your way out. I forgot to announce that, sorry. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 22. And let me just give you a little um, preface. As you notice, the colors are still white. That means that the Lord hasn't ascended yet to heaven. But this week, I think it's Thursday, actually, the Ascension of the Lord Day. This coming Sunday, we will celebrate the Ascension of the Lord uh, Sunday. And so all this time, the risen Lord has been walking around, inspiring people, talking to people, and seeing people, and being witnessed by people. And that's something I think we all should remember. Look how long it's been since he rose from the dead in Easter. He was around for a long time before he went back to heaven. But this scripture comes after that, after the fact. Um, and I thought it was a pertinent scripture because we move now, as Jesus goes back into heaven, we move into the church age. Uh, and next Sunday, of course, is first Sunday of the month. It happens to be communion in this, in this uh, service. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the church age and about uh, how it progressed. And the Apostle Paul was one of the main people who helped make it progress of all the disciples. And so what we have here is this is part of Paul's journey. Uh, when he travels from Jerusalem to Athens and along the way, that's some 400 miles, he plants churches. And so we pick up here in Athens and he said, and it says, the scripture says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the, of the Areopagus and he said, men of Athens, I see in every way you're very religious, for I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. And God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like an idol of gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. This is stored of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you this day for many, many things, but especially we thank you, O oh Lord, for this clear indication and this clear story of how your unforeseen hand is at work throughout 
time and history and how it still works today and works with us. And all is required of us is a little faith. We pray in your name. Amen. Now, as, as I said, he, Paul was journeying all this time. Some places he was successful. He started a church. But we know from tradition and history at least three times he was run out of town on this journey. He was jailed at least once. Uh, some have even speculated that he was in Athens hiding out from the last town that he'd got run out of. But while he was in Athens, he noticed that the city was full of idols. And so he began to reason with anyone who would listen. He, his, as his style was, he began in the synagogue. Then he moved to the marketplace. And finally he went to this place called Areopagus. Now this place was a meeting place in the city of Athens for the philosophers of the day. You see, Athens had been a cultural center for centuries. In fact, one of the ancient world's leading universities was located in Athens at this time. And this area was just west of the Acropolis, if any of you have been to Athens. And there in the pursuit of truth, philosophers would speak on various subjects. Having heard that Paul was bringing this message, this strange message of a man who's risen from the dead, uh, he was invited to speak. In their pursuit of truth, they wanted to hear what he had to say. And so the scene was set. I want you to grasp this. It's hard for our modern minds to grasp the unseen hand of God and how God's at work. But think about it. After long, hard miles, after several escapes from mobs, after a stint in jail, Paul finds himself speaking in front of the most distinguished philosophers of the day in the city of Athens, a city second only to Rome in importance at this time. Isn't it amazing the turn of events as one journeys through life, as that life journey is guided by the unseen hand of God? Isn't it remarkable that if we don't let our free will get in the way, if we remain open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, what can happen and what can occur as God works all things to good? You know, by this time, I would imagine that if someone who only had secular thinking and secular reasoning uh, about what was going on in their life, they might have come to the conclusion that it was time to head back home. Paul, if he was using only his secular part of his brain, instead of thinking with in discerning God's will, the sacred part, he might have decided that his mission had been a failure. He might have decided it was time to go back to Jerusalem and the safety and, and comfort of his home. But instead, because he was open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, because he trusted and believed that God's unseen hand was with him and guiding him, he finds himself at this point in his life before this distinguished group, and he has discovered as he walked around something really important. 
Paul discovers, and other sources confirm, uh, that the Greeks were very fearful of offending the gods. There was a multitude of gods that they worshipped. But because they were so afraid of offending a particular god, that they had actually built an altar centuries before, and the inscription on it was, To the Unknown God. There among all the objects of pagan worship, alongside all the altars to the God of thunder or the God of war or the God of love, there was this altar to the unknown God, the God with an unknown name. Does, you, does your heart, does your mind not flood with the wonder of that? To think of the work of God's mighty hand, a hand that causes a pagan world centuries before to build an altar to an unknown God, and then God sends a man to declare to them, now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and this is the unknown God. I have come to declare it to you. This is the God that we know as the name Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? What an amazing God who, who sets in the hearts of pagans long ago to build an altar and inscribe it to an unknown God. And then when the time is right, in God's providential timing, the truth is revealed. The one and only God, Jesus Christ. My friends, with a God like that, who influences time and place and people throughout the centuries to work His will, why are we people of such little faith? Why do we fret and become anxious over every situation, whether it be in our personal life or in our church life? Why are we not more faithful when we realize that God is in every decision? There is not a decision that occurs in your life. There's not a decision that occurs in this life of this church that God was not already there working this situation before you even knew it and is still there in the midst of it and will be there at the end of it and will be with us throughout it. This is the God we worship. The Scripture is so clear. What an amazing God that we have. And yet so often, we act as if we have to make all our decisions without the help of anybody, using our own free will and our secular mind and our secular thinking, and then we wonder why there is so much anxiety. We wonder why things are in a turmoil. We need to spend more time as a people and as a church in discernment and prayer over every situation. Now maybe some of you are 
of those little faith. Maybe some of you are very big doubters. Maybe some of you say, well, you know, the scripture conveniently sells you whatever you want it to say. Okay, fine. That's fine. Just discount. We'll just discount that. We'll forget that. We'll forget that's the scripture. I'll give you a story that's less than 50 years old. A true story. A true story of a missionary who came to speak in the daily chapel service at seminary. He was reporting and writing a book about his experiences in the mission field. And he told about going out into the great missionary push that occurred after World War II into the South Sea Islands and discovering uh, some Indian native people there who had had limited contact with the outside world. So limited, in fact, that their dialect was so strange that there was actually no one who could translate it and so they had to, to, to use uh, uh, all kind of means to try to get their point across. And it, it became so, it was so difficult that this missionary wrote in his book that he decided that it was time to give up. His secular mind and secular thinking and his free will said, I need to pack up and leave. These pagans will never grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm wasting my time. And he was packed up, ready to leave when something happened. A fight broke out. A fight broke out between the two factions. And after several days of intense fighting, and it looked to the missionary as if that was confirmation that he was wasting his time with these people, that something unexpected happened. The chief of one faction carried his infant son and gave it to the chief of the other faction that he was warring with. And in that act, peace broke out. Inquiring about this most unusual act of sacrifice, the missionary was able to discern that there was an oral tradition, an ancient story that had been handed down successfully through the generations of these natives. It went something like this. It was this simple. That there was a God whose name has been lost, who once saved his people by giving up his only son to a rival God. And as time passed and wars came along, this peacekeeping model would soon be remembered by the aged and wiser of the tribes and be told in ways that cause people to say we should reenact this and see if it works for us otherwise we're going to kill each other and it's going to be over and this accounted for the survival of this tribe all these generations now what an amazing god that puts in the heart of a pagan tribe the story of a God who so loved the world
that he gave his only begotten son. What a God we worship that brought this missionary to that time and place to reveal that name of that God to this forgotten island people. My friends, we live in such a time as that. We live in a time when outside our walls most people are not Christian. We live in a time that is reminded to us by the Scripture that God has promised that He overlooked those that type of ignorance for a while, but now has commanded all people to turn to Him. Unconditional grace, now listen, requires a response of unconditional faith. The unknown God who has made Himself known has set a day that will be judgment day and will judge the world in perfect justice. And the proof of all this, that the time is now, is the raising of Christ from the dead. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, said Jesus Christ. Therefore, it seems to me as people who claim to be Christian disciples, as we all do, that we must ask ourselves, are we living with unconditional faith? We are certainly happy to receive unconditional grace, but are we living with unconditional faith? Are we responding to this gift of unconditional grace with faith? Are we responding with the sacred mind and sacred discernment? Or are we stuck in our secular world and secular mind and our own free will that gets in the way so often and causes us to doubt that God is with us, to doubt that God is in charge, to doubt that God knows what's going on in every situation, to doubt that God has it under control if we get out of the way and let God work? Is Jesus Christ truly Lord of our life and Lord of our church? Do we have our minds as a singular mind, a sacred mind? Are we trying to be in both worlds? Trying to keep one foot in one and one foot in the other. And my friends, all that does is split you up. Causes agony hurt and pain. Let us be of one mind. Let us be faithful people. Let us find that God is in every situation. Let us find that God is already working before we even thought about working. Let us have some unconditional faith that go along with that unconditional grace that the Lord gives to us. I urge you to think about these things and to understand and may God bless you to that understanding. Amen.
May the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty and Eternal Triune God, one God now and forevermore, be yours this day and each day. Amen.